when we first started this podcast, I hadn't really seen much success in business yet. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen a lot of professionals. I, I did okay. I was doing okay. Yeah. But I was still early in my journey in real estate. So I hadn't really seen that success yet. And so I'd always ask guests, and I remember asking you specifically, dude, what was that like when you walked in the, when you finally got that call, mm-hmm. your dream that you worked on so many years was finally attained, make it to the NFL. And for some reason, when I would ask that question, I just thought, okay, they're going to give me, they're going to unlock yeah. what it is that I've been missing out by yeah. their answer. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, as great as that day felt, you woke up the next day. And that feeling was gone, and now the work continued. Yeah, and the work was, and now you're on yeah. to the next pursuit. Yeah, that look like going back to that that very first game, September 11th, 2011. That very first game that I started in the NFL, first time I stepped on during a regular season game, was the most incredible day ever. But guess what? Come Wednesday practice, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> practice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I get to do this. Right. I really do. But that high was gone, mm-hmm. and now hopefully there's a foundation of discipline and drive that, yep. that will pick, pick up on it. But exactly right. And here's the thing, though, is and, – and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but this is, this is how I feel. I felt like there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Like, I worked so hard to get here. And, like, myself, Tiffany, like, sacrificed so much to realize this dream that I'd been chasing for 22 years – and I'm there, why do I feel like this? Look down. (laughs) What you see when you look down are things within your reach, things you can control right now, Things you can move and manipulate with no planning, effort, or thought. Now look up. Unlike what you see when we look down, the realm of up shows us things that we have, that we have to think about and work for in order to get. In your brain, the down world is managed by a handful of chemicals. Neurotransmitters, they're called, that let you experience satisfaction, joy, and enjoy whatever you have in, in, in the here and now. But when you turn your attention to the world of up, your brain relies on a different chemical, a single molecule that not only allows you to move beyond the realm of what's at your fingertips, but also motivates you to pursue, to control, and to possess the world beyond your immediate grasp. It drives you to seek out those things that are far away, both physical things and things you cannot see, such as knowledge, love, and power. Those down chemicals, call them the here and nows, allow you to experience what's in front of you. They enable you to savor and enjoy, or perhaps to fight or run away right now. The up chemical is different. It makes you desire what you don't have and drives you to seek new things. It rewards you when, the, when you obey it, and it makes you suffer when you don't. It is the source of creativity and further along the spectrum, madness. It is the key to addiction and the path to recovery. It is the bit of biology that makes an ambitious executive sacrifice everything in pursuit of success that makes successful actors and entrepreneurs and artists keep working long after they have all the money and fame they've ever dreamed of, and that makes a satisfied husband or wife risk everything for the thrill of someone else. It is a source of the undeniable undeniable itch that drives scientists to find explanations and philosophers to find order, reason, and meaning. It is also why 
we are never happy for very long. And that is an excerpt from our new book study series, whatever you want to call it. The book's titled The Molecule of More, How a Single Chemical in Your Brain Drives Love, Sex, and Creativity and Will Determine the Fate of the Human Race. Pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you think of that little intro? It's on point. I mean, uh, the fact that it's a single molecule in our brain that can drive us to be great or can drive us to ultimate destruction. That's right. That's right. And that, do- that molecule we're talking about is dopamine, mm-hmm. uh, which has gotten a lot of attention recently. And like I said, this book, The Molecule of More, is a fascinating study on how this single molecule can do all those things that we described a second ago. And so in this series, and, and why we wanted to talk about this, is just, you know, we talk about I'll be happy when, yeah. or, you know, why things don't feel as good as we think they're going to feel. And it really all comes down to, as this book talks about, this molecule, dopamine. And so in this series, we're going to learn why love fades over time, why the pursuit of something is more exciting than the actual attainment. We're going to learn about the keys to long-lasting love, why some people are more driven to achieve than others, where dreams come from, why conservatives are more likely to donate to charity than liberals, why giving feels so good, why politicians are so out of touch with everyday citizens, why people with high levels of dopamine don't get along with others, why dopamine will destroy the human race, how to find quote-unquote balance and master any task, and why ultimately your future is up to you. It's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot to cover. We're going to learn all that. Not today, but all of that in this series. And so today, part one, we're going to talk about love and desire. And that I'll be happy, will, I'll be happy when mentality. Uh, so the first segment is why love fades. And so from the book, it says, Dopamine activity is not a marker of pleasure. It is a reaction to the unexpected, to possibility and anticipation. As human beings, we get a dopamine rush from similar promising surprises. The arrival of a sweet note from your lover, an email message from a friend you haven't seen in years, or if you're looking for romance, meeting a fascinating new partner at a sticky table in the same old bar. But when these things become regular events, their novelty fades, and so does the dopamine rush. And a sweeter note or a longer email or a better table won't bring that back. Why does love fade? Our brains are programmed to crave the unexpected and thus to look to the future, where every exciting possibility begins. But when anything, including love, becomes familiar, that excitement slips away, and new things draw our attention. The scientists who study this phenomenon name the buzz we get from novelty reward prediction error. We constantly make predictions about what's coming next, from what time we can leave for work, to how much money we expect to find, when we check our balance at the ATM, when what happens is better than what we expect, it is literally an error in our forecast of the future. It's not the extra time or the extra money themselves. It's the, experience, it's the thrill of unexpected goodness. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. You know, because I always, and we've talked about it before, but I always think of when I make this certain amount of money, and, you know, my salary is, not that we will work on salary, but when my income is this, everything's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And you get there and you realize, well, damn, that didn't feel as good as I thought it was going to feel. Mm-hmm. 
And that's because this dopamine chemical, this thing that drives you forward, it's not meant for pleasure. It's not meant to keep you stagnant. It's meant to keep you driving. That's how you survive. That's how you keep attaining things is through this chemical dopamine that keeps you pushing forward. What you got for that? No, I mean, I, I understand the necessity. I understand the design. Um, I, mean, I, I just think about how guilty I am of this and how much I'm always searching for it. I'm always, I'm always looking for it. Like some small little deal is like if you have, I've liked the Experian app, right? Like I have um, checking your credit score, understanding mm-hmm. where it is, right? That's kind of your like grade on like finances, like right. how well you're taking care of things, are you responsible, stuff like that. And it's like every time I get like my score goes up, there's that boost. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, nice. Yeah. And then it's like you're thinking like, all right, cool, this is great. But then literally a week later you go back and your score hasn't moved and you're like ugh yeah but it's like a week ago this 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 was great cuz you know i'm even i'm even stronger financially yep. in my you know right but it's funny in but i i get it too because it's like okay well yeah like high 700s doesn't it's not good enough right it's got to be higher right. it's got to be that yeah. you know what i mean it's like you want to continually improve um but again i think as we're going to talk about it is it's it's when you're chasing these quick fixes and, and I put likes, you know, mm-hmm. talking about a longer letter, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How often you get that? But it's when you when you get onto your social media and you have an unexpected amount of likes or comments on a post that you have. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. That dopamine hit. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, how can I get more of that? Yeah. Exactly. How can I get more of that? Exactly. That's why porn's so addicting. Yes. Right? How can I get more of that feeling? Yes. That's why drugs it's are so the addicting. unexpected. It's right. this. I mean, yep. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit of relief to know that there's a chemical reason yeah. that we're never satisfied. Yeah. I think before, now, yeah, doing I, this podcast has helped me yeah. learn so, a lot of this stuff, but yeah, yeah. actually truly reading this book has obviously made me, helped me learn this stuff. But I remember asking you specifically, and I used to ask guests this all the time when we first started, before I kind of had this realization. Because I always thought, this was, when we first started this podcast, I hadn't really seen much success in business yet. I hadn't seen a lot of professionals. I, I did okay. I was doing okay. Yeah. But I was still early in my journey in real estate. So I hadn't really seen that success yet. And so I'd always ask guests, and I remember asking you specifically, dude, what was that like when you walked in the, when you finally got that call, mm-hmm. your dream that you worked on so many years was finally attained, make it to the NFL. And for some reason, when I would ask that question, I just thought, okay, they're going to give me, they're going to unlock yeah. what it is that I've been missing out by yeah. their answer. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, as great as that day felt, you woke up the next day and that feeling was gone and now the work continued. Yeah. And the work was, and now you're on yeah. to the next person. Yeah, that, look, like going back to that, that very first game, September 11th, 2011, that very first game that I started in the NFL, first time I stepped on during a regular season game was the most incredible day ever. But guess what? Come Wednesday practice, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> practice. Yeah. I'm like, I get to do this. Right. I really do. But that high was gone, mm-hmm. and now hopefully there's a foundation of discipline and drive that, yep. that will pick, pick up on it. But exactly right. And here's the thing, though, is, and, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but this is, this is how I feel. 
I felt like there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Like I worked so hard to get here and like myself, Tiffany, like sacrificed so much to realize this dream that I'd been chasing for 22 years and I'm there. Why do I feel like this? Yeah. Like, why is it not the most important thing ever? Like I feel, I would feel like I'm broken yeah. or like even real estate. It's like, all right, I just closed a really big deal and this is going to be awesome. Like this is going to like change the year for my family. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, it's really cool. But then there's just 30 days until the actual payment comes. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, by the time it's there, you're like on to the next. Yeah. Care yeah. less. On to the next. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that pursuit of getting that deal closed yeah. or that pursuit of reaching your NFL dream, yeah. that was super exciting, right? Yeah. You always had that future, yeah. unattained goal out there that kept you driving forward. And that was exciting. That was fun to pursue that. And then when you finally do, when you finally catch it, it's like, I played this up for six years in my head and it yeah. did not do. So I'm exactly like yeah. you. Early on, I was like, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. Why am can't I, I enjoy things? Am I going to be happy? Yeah. Yeah. Why can't I enjoy things? Yeah. And that's the point of this, what this book is talking about, yeah. is you're actually chemically designed to be like that. Yeah. Because if you weren't, then, and all you ever did was enjoy what you had, mm -hmm. which again, you want to get to, you want to find a balance, which we're going to talk about at the end of this book. But if that's all, you'd, be, you'd just be sedentary. You wouldn't be moving. You would never be pushing forward. Yeah. So this chemical is a great chemical for keeping us driving forward. Yeah. The problem is some of us have more of it than others, yeah. and it keeps us in a constant state of pursuit, yeah. in a constant state of longing. And so you got to figure out a way, if that is you, yeah. to, to, that you do want to appreciate those things. You realize they're not going to feel as good as maybe you think, but that doesn't mean it takes all joy out of right. it. And so the, how do you figure out that balance there? And so we talked about a second ago, the pursuit is more exciting from the book. It says the brain manages the external world by dividing it into two separate regions, the parapersonal and the extrapersonal, basically near and far. Parapersonal space includes whatever is in arm's reach, things you can control right now by using your hands. This is the world of what's real right now. Extrapersonal space refers to everything else, whatever you can't touch unless you move beyond your arm's reach whether it's three feet or three million miles away. This is the realm of possibility. When you look down, look into the pair of personal space, and for, that, and for that, the brain is controlled by a host of chemicals concerned with experience in the here and now. But when the brain is engaged with extra personal space, one chemical exercises more control than all the others. The chemical associated with anticipation and possibility, dopamine. Things in distance that we don't have yet cannot be used or consumed, only desired. Dopamine has a very specific job, maximizing resources that will be available to us in the future, the pursuit of better things. Anticipating a raise activates future-oriented dopamine, and it feels very different from the here and now experience of receiving the larger paycheck for the second or third time. And finding love takes a different set of skills than making love stay. Love must shift from an extra-personal space to a parapersonal one, from pursuit to, to possession, from something we anticipate to something we have to take care of. These are vastly different skills, which is why over time, the nature of love has to change and why for so many people, love fades away at the end of dopamine thrill we call romance. Mm -hmm. Almost done here. The novelty that tri triggers dopamine doesn't go on forever. When it comes to love, the loss of passionate romance will always happen eventually. And then comes a choice. We can transition to a love that's fed by day-to-day -day appreciation of that other person 
in the here and now, or we can end the relationship and go on in search of another roller coaster ride. Love that lasts shifts the emphasis from anticipation to experience, from the fantasy of anything being possible to engagement with reality and all its imperfections. The transition is difficult, and when the world presents an easy way out of a difficult task, we take it. That's why when dopamine firing of early romance ends, many relationships end too. Mm-hmm. thought that was fascinating. No, that, it, it's on point. Um, we have, like, let's just talk about relationships. And we've glorified the pursuit, mm-hmm. right? We've glorified, well, let me take that back. Um, there was a period where we glorified it. I think the pursuit is, is much, much less today because it's so easy, right? Mm-hmm. As you get on an app, you meet up, and now you go right to that, right to the final goal. Um, so, but... That's why you see. That's why you see so many relationships turning yep. over. Yep. That's why you see people not committing because it's like, okay, oh, there's the endorphins that, that are the the dopamine that comes from getting on the app, scrolling through, finding the best looking girl. I'm talking from a male's perspective. Right. Best looking girl. Boom. Okay. Now I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Is she gonna respond? Are we gonna actually like go meet up? I, I think that's how these apps work. By the way, <laughs> are we gonna go meet up? Okay, and then I get there, and then now, boom, I get the result that I want, and it's not what I think it is. Because right. the anticipation was all just waiting for her to respond and agree to going to meet up, whatever it is, right? And then you, you know, again, there's kids listening, sorry, but you go to hook up, you hook up, and then there's really nothing behind it, right? right. And that's what it's talking about. Tiffany and I, so my history is... I had girlfriend most of college, had some breaks, but I was not, um, I was not proud of really kind of how my, my journey with, mm-hmm. with young women, right? And so um, when Tiffany and I first started dating, the very, very first phone call, she asked me two questions that were like, one question, yeah. one, question one statement. One was, are you circumcised? And I'm like... <laughs> What? <laughs> huh? Um, and then two was, I am, but if those of you were wondering, I didn't just bruise by it. <laughs> but then two was. You told that story before, but you never confirmed or yeah, one way or the other. There's a really long cliffhanger. <laughs> but is, is the second was, she says, just so you know, I, I'm not sleeping with you. And. For me at the time, and I didn't really, I, obviously I didn't think through this much, but for me, it wasn't a chase. It wasn't like, oh, okay, cool, cool, I'm going to chase it. But like for me, it was, okay, I've been, I've been looking and waiting for God to send me someone that I could pursue, get to know, that, that I could take out of it, and that's the bonus at the end, that it was mm-hmm. worth it, that I like was, a, was drawn to that person enough from the start to say, I don't care. I just want to be around you. And so that chase for sexual pursuits or conquering or whatever you want to call it, that was taken off the board. And so there was a foundational, um, a foundational, uh, you were forced into the here and now. Yes. Chemicals. It was like, okay, look, now yeah. it's, I've got to get to know you. Yeah. I've got to really dig down deeper. And it wasn't just a dopamine hit. Yeah. 
with us. And so, again, that's why we see so much turnover. That's why we see so much unfaithfulness is because we're so used to, okay, hey, I just get what I want when I want it. And now the second that either it's not exciting or I don't get what I want, on the next thing. then I'm going to go turn to another person or porn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we see that in marriages. We see that in dating. We see that all across the board. And so the, the problem with that is, is you talked about in the intro, it could, it will lead to our demise mm-hmm. because we are destroying relationships. We're just destroying what they were created to do. And, and unfortunately people are missing out on the best parts of relationships, right. like the mundane, boring stuff. Like if you really dig into that and you choose to be intentional and pursue your significant other, I'm telling you, it is so much better than this like dopamine hit of a dating phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely. And what are our young men struggling with now more than ever? Because it's so accessible is pornography addiction. And, and sp- speaking specifically for love well, in this topic is when we were when we were kids, when our parents were kids, you actually had to go to the store. You had that awkward interaction. You had to pick up the magazine. You had to pay for it or steal it, whatever you did. But it was it was there was a lot more effort involved into getting that dopamine hit. Yeah. Now it's simply log on to my computer and that pursuit, not even a computer, your phone, your phone, that pursuit, that excitement yeah. that, that used to take place by pursuing an actual yeah. human being. Yeah. Now I can replace all that effort by just logging onto my computer. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why it's dangerous or that's why it's not optimal and not ideal is because we're replacing these long lasting dopamine hits that, that, that can yeah. turn into the here and now that can yeah. turn into long lasting we're replacing it with cheap hits of dopamine. Yeah. Well, and think about it, right? Here's the really dangerous part about that. And I know we're kind of going on a little tangent, but this dopamine chase that porn gives us is, again, looking for the unexpected. Okay? So when the ordinary or when the exciting becomes ordinary, what do you do? You look for something more. That's right. And then you look for something more. That's right. And then you look for something more. And then the next thing you know is... Sorry, we we were just at a conference this last week and International Justice Mission, who we've we've talked about. um, They put out a video and honestly, it wrecked it wrecked everybody there. Um, But it it was just about young boys and girls, like we're talking like eight to twelve years old, that are being exploited in in Thailand, um, whether it's on the web or it's on, you know, physically people, men are going, um, to, sorry. And this is super dark, but to go rape these kids. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, that is where, when we have these conversations, like, Oh, we're overprotective parents. And you know, it's the same today as it was back when, back when we were kids, we just know more because technology tells us more. I would argue, no, we're not the same. I think our minds are more distorted because this dopamine is driving us to places that we have not been. Like you said, you had to go get a magazine or you had to go to a video store. You, there was all these things. It was like there were all these barriers to get to these points. And now it's so accessible and it just progresses and progresses and progresses. Like I've had, I've had conversations, my wife and I have had conversations with, with guys that are like, it's so normalized. It's so normalized, and it's like, if a guy says that he doesn't do it, he's lying. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's in your mind that, like, that every single man does it. Like, I'm, I know that a lot of guys do, 
and a lot of women do surprisingly yeah but like more than you a think. lot of guys do but like you guys it is so dangerous it is so dangerous just working in the sex trafficking industry and like helping and serving in the nonprofit space like just eyes have opened up yeah. and it is it is a very very dangerous addiction that is driven by this chemical dopamine yeah that, and that's how the combination of dopamine and technology have ruined our our, our ruining love and romance mm -hmm. think about how it's ruining friendships and relationships meaning again 20, 30 years ago, to make friends, you had to go meet people physically. You yeah. had to go to interaction. You had to go to community events. You had to go to church. You had to go to school. You had to meet people. That dopamine drove you to actual in-person yeah. meeting places. Yeah. Now with technology, that dopamine is driving us to online connection. Getting to know Getting them. likes yeah. on my Instagram. Yeah. Going in some sort of weird chat room. Now I'm able to sit on my phone. I never have to interact in, in person with anybody because I'm getting that same feeling. Yeah. It's not as good of a feeling, but I'm getting that same feeling through my phone. Yep. And so now that's hurting relationships and friendships. Think about teenagers now and their networking skills yep. one day. I oh, hate yeah. networking more than anybody, what? but it's a skill I had to learn because I had to go out and put myself out there yeah. and be in those uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Now I'm able to, if I want, I'm able to connect quote unquote with yeah. people on LinkedIn. I don't even have to go out and meet anybody anymore. But think about what this is doing to us. Like, it's literally making us into people that we're not just so that we can get this hit of dopamine mm -hmm. from social media. Like, we're doing things that are not us. Right. We're wearing things that are not us. We're buying things that are not us. We're doing all of these things so that, and again, it's super cliche, but like, to get the approval of people who don't even care about. Yeah. So yeah. it's like... We're, it's driving us to be something that we're, that we're not. Mm -hmm. and, and I just think about how much time as a culture we have wasted trying to chase this thrill uh, that dopamine is driving to get approval from people that we don't even care about, That's don't right. even know. That's right. Yeah, so we, we think about true authenticity. Yeah. And there's so many different things that I want to teach my kids, but authenticity is one of them. Mm -hmm. And that's why true authenticity is so attractive now yeah. because in, in a world where you're right, where I'm doing things merely for the clout, merely for the like and the yeah. approval of strangers online, yep. where now when we find somebody who's truly themselves, that's why Joe Rogan, the last two years, has he had millions and millions of listeners before. It's doubled mm -hmm. now because he's truly being who he is, and that's so attractive. It's two people having a conversation. They're just being them. Yep. And that's what's attractive to us now yeah. is that true authenticity. That's right. So how do we, chemically speaking, how do we, uh, what are the keys to long-lasting love? All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an, the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive up 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode.
And so the book talks about, it says, to enjoy the things we have as opposed to the things that are only possible, our brains must transition from future-oriented dopamine to present-oriented chemicals, a collection of neurotransmitters we call the here-and-now molecules, or the H&Ns. They include serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, and a class of chemicals called the endocannabinoids. As opposed to the pleasure of anticipation via dopamine, these chemicals give us pleasure from sensation and emotion. H&N companion love is characterized by deep and enduring satisfaction with the present reality and an aversion to change, at least with regard to one's relationship with one's partner. It's not easy to say farewell to the dopaminergic thrill of a new partner and passionate longing, but the ability to do so is a sign of maturity and a step towards long-lasting happiness. Think of a man who plans a vacation to Rome. He spends weeks scheduling each day, making sure he'll be able to visit all the museums and landmarks he's heard about. But when he stands among the most beautiful artwork ever created, he thinks about how he's going to get to the restaurant where he has reservations for dinner. He's not ungrateful to see the masterpiece of Michelangelo. It's just that his personality is primarily dopaminergic. He enjoys anticipation and planning more than doing. Lovers experience the same disconnect between anticipation and experience. The early part, passionate love, is dopaminergic, exhilarating, idealized, curious, future-looking. The later part, companionate love, is H&M-focused, satisfying, peaceful, and experienced through bodily sense, senses and emotions. Almost done. We can live without companionate love, but the majority of us arrange a good portion of our lives around trying to find it and keep it. The H&Ns give us the ability to do that. They allow us to find satisfaction in what our senses deliver, what is right in front of us, and what we can experience without the nagging sense that we need something more. Mm. That, that example he used about the guy at, in Rome couldn't describe me any better. Yep. And it's something that's a constant fight in my mind. I'm always looking for the next thing. I'm never truly satisfied with the current present moment that I'm in. And yes, maybe I was born with more of the chemical dopamine than, than the next person. But to me, that sounds very much like something that I can work on that actually is in my control. Yeah, maybe the desire will still be there, but that's why meditation's key. That's why appreciating the present moment is key. These are things that you can actually practice because I am that guy in Rome. Yeah. I am constantly thinking about, hi, hey, this is great, but guess what we get to do next? Yeah. What's, what's the anticipation? And if you're constantly living that way, and I've, I have been, I've been very guilty of this, it takes a lot of the joy out of the present. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's me too. It's, it's literally, you know, on a Disney trip with family and come three o'clock in the afternoon, instead of like being present and like joining in on the joy that your kids have, I'm just thinking about, all right, dinner. Or yeah. going back to the room. Right. Yeah, or it's I'm like right there. Missing out on all of the great experiences. And, and going back to love, too. You know, with a, with a spouse. Uh, you mentioned we try to hold on to it because we want that consistent. We just want it there so we can hold on to it. Um, but here's the thing, though. I think intentionality with your significant other, um, coupled with selflessness, is, is something... If you're looking for that dopamine hit, doesn't mean it has to go away. Mm -hmm. We had, we had a, a couple 
she described it as this. She said, hey, women are, um, uh, oh my gosh, I just. She blanked. Yeah, I just blanked on it. What do they call where you, you Your dopamine the, the, slow, the slow cooker, the um, Traeger? No, 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 no. Like the, the oh, the crock pot, crock pot. Yeah, women are crock pots. Okay, tell okay. me more. Women are crock pots. It takes constant slow cooking all day long. Mm-hmm. Like they're not microwaves. Men are microwaves. <laughs> you tell you tell them hit that at thirty seconds. Yep. They're ready to go. They're ready to go. But like women, it literally is. They're a crock pot. It's all day, constantly stirring it, checking the temperature making sure that it's ready to go. So it's like, so practically that looks like, hey, sending a text to your wife and saying, hey, miss you today. Or, hey, appreciate what you do. Or, hey, can I get something on the way home? It's little comments all day long that women, they're just wired differently mm-hmm. than, than guys are. And so, and it was, I'm like, never thought about that. And literally you put that into practice and... Honestly, the end of the day, it's it's not that mundane, like, oh, every day, all right, babe, kids are asleep. It's like, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It gets the emotions going. And that's, to me, if you're intentional and you pursue your significant other, dates, creative dates, doing things that take a little bit of effort. Mm-hmm. But look, you can create these scenarios of excitement that are different. Right. Not going to the same restaurant every single week. Not talking about kids every t- every time you go to dinner, like all of these things that you can be intentional about, you can create these really exciting scenarios, 15, 20, 30 years into your marriage, yep. and all those are driven by but, but they're talking about the the here and now chemicals. Yeah. Yes, your your dopamine is firing to get you to plan that exciting yeah. date, but you're living more here and now and how yeah. that constant pursuit. Hundred percent, and I think too, if you ever just like. There's two things that, that I'll catch myself to be like realized here and now. And a lot of times it's at dinner because like my kids are, they're always asking questions and we're having conversations and, but then I'm also literally always thinking about what's next. Okay. Hey, I've got to go get this. I got to go finish this or I got to go before we get the kids to bed. I got to get this done or I got to do that. But if I'll just stop and I watch and I'd like literally look at, instead of thinking about something else, my head somewhere else, I'll literally physically look at my kid's face. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's Sia or Rocco or Luca or Gia, I'll just literally, and like when you notice and you watch them speak, like it just pulls you into that present moment. And it's like, I'm literally amazed. Mm-hmm. And I can't just, I can't help but smile. Yeah. Oh, like absolutely. I literally can't help but like, Oh my gosh. And it pulls me into that conversation. It takes me out of it. But like, okay, focus on like the little things, like focus on their mouth when they're talking, look at their nose, try to say, okay, Hey, do they have my nose and my wife's nose? I mean, all these yep. things that like you're looking at and noticing. And the other thing too, is like you actually are recognizing like changes and the growth and all that stuff in them. And then the other is with your spouse, same thing. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you re- like really looked in the eyes of your spouse? Yeah. Ashamedly, it's been a while. Yeah. But that, that pull, that, for me, it pulls me into that presence. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, mindfulness, right? That's, yeah. That takes effort. Yeah. You're exactly right that that takes conscious effort to say, I'm just going to look. Yeah. And, I, and I, I find myself doing that with my two-year-old. Yeah. He's just so funny. <laughs> He's the funniest little two-year-old. Yeah. And, and I love, and you're right, like you can't help the smile just looking at yeah. them and actually noticing them. Yes. Not just answering the question they've asked a million times, but actually noticing them. And the them. mannerisms, and we've talked about this too, is like, 
when you watch them speak, you hear a lot more than what they just say. Yes. Right. And I look at like, I love seeing their little brains yes. think and yeah. Oh, like processing Sia's, and Sia, my youngest, she is the funniest because literally like she has so much attitude, but like she <laughs> thinks and she like, when she's really thinking about something, she'll like look up, like she'll turn her head to the side and she'll like look up and I'm like, oh, she's about to come up with something good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always off the wall. Yeah, we've said this before. She's going to be, oh, you're going to have to lock her in her bro. room from yeah. the age of 8 to 48. Yeah, <laughs> holy smokes. So, anyways. So, that was love. Next, he talks about, or the book talks about desire. So, you know, they're, they're cousins of each other, right? At some point, everyone asks the question, why? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I make the choices that I make? The philosopher Aristotle played the same game, but with a more serious purpose. He looked at all things we do for the sake of something else and wondered if there was an end to it all. Is there anything we seek for itself only, not because it leads to something else? Aristotle decided there was. He decided there was a single thing that lay at the end of every string of whys, and its name was happiness. Everything we do, ultimately, is for the sake of happiness. It's hard to argue with this conclusion. Happiness is the pole star that guides our journey through life. When faced with a range of options, we choose the one that leads to the most happiness. Except we don't. Our brains aren't wired that way. Only once in a while do we sit down to consider our options rationally, weighing one against the other. Such an exercise is tiring work, and the outcome is rarely satisfying. We seldom reach the point at which we can say with certainty that we made the right decision. It's much easier just to do what we want so that's what we do. The next question, of course, becomes, well then, what do we want? The answer depends on whom you ask. Wanting or desire flows from an evolutionary old part of our brain deep inside the skull called the ventral tegmental area. It is rich in dopamine. In fact, it is one of the two main dopamine producing regions. Like most brain cells, the cell that cells that grow there have long tails that wind through the brain until they reach a place called the nucleus accumbens. When these long-tailed cells are activated, they release dopamine into the nucleus accumbens, driving the feeling we know as motivation. The scientific term for this circuit is the mesolimbic pathway, although it's easier to simply call it the dopamine desire circuit. Almost done. This dopamine circuit evolved to promote behaviors that lead to survival and reproduction. It's the desire circuit that's activated when you see the plate of donuts on the table, and it's activated not by need, but by the presence of something attractive from the evolutionary or life-sustaining standpoint. That's the nature of dopamine. It's always focused on acquiring more of everything with an eye towards providing for the future. The, sensa the sensation of wanting is not a choice you make. It is a reaction to the things you encounter. Mm. <laughs> mm. Then I'm like rereading this and my mind's just, just but, I mean, blown that, that here. That last line. Yeah. The sensation what? of wanting is not a choice you make. It is a reaction to the things you encounter. So that's, that is key. Is if you can recognize wanting is not necessarily a choice. It's a result of, it's a result of the experiences that you're going through. Well, think about the things you feel bad for wanting. Yeah. Like it just pops in your head that the Like desire. you literally talked about donuts. Now I'm like, right. Donuts. Right. And so you think that's a bad thing, that, yeah. the desire. It's yeah. not the bad thing that's the desire. It's the actions you yeah. take upon that desire. And I just think the, the mentality of like, look, it's not a choice. Like I'm not choosing to want donuts. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's easier to recognize and say, okay, now I can control that want, right? right? Like, is that something that I truly want? Because is it, so do I want it right now? Yeah, 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 for sure. It tastes, they taste delicious. Yeah. They're glorious. Yeah. And God made them for us to enjoy. <laughs> but. I think that's what, in the Bible, manna from heaven, I think it was yeah, Krispy Kreme donuts. I think, pretty sure it is. <laughs> yeah, a little light glaze over it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, usually at like 100, 105 degrees. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. flaming hot donuts. <laughs> Anyways, um, but, but is it really what I want, like long term, right? Mm-hmm. Is that my desire? Is my desire to continue to load up on donuts and then... Dopamine says it is. Dopamine says it is. That's exactly right. Right. Or is, look, my long-term mundane goal of being healthy, mm-hmm. being able to function into my 50s because I've been, I've been cognizant of my nutrition, of my fitness, and all of the mental health, all that. The donuts get me there. I mean, one, two, three times a week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, Daily. it's fine. I mean, it's whatever. Like, yes, enjoy those things. I'm not saying that you can't and you're a bad person if you do. But if that becomes your consistent, like, if you're succumbing to that want consistently, mm-hmm. that is going to take you further and further yep. away from what you truly desire. And that's the shift, right? From yeah. dopamine to the here and now. Yep. The here and now says, hey, this isn't a healthy choice long term. Yeah. This isn't going to feed me or fuel me yep. for my long term yep. desires and goals. It's but not going to feed and fuel me, I mean, legitimately yeah. for the next two hours. Right. Because I'm going to be hungry, and yeah. then I'm and guess want, yeah. that that dopamine's going to lie to you. It's going to say, "Hey, you want that donut? That donut's going to give you yeah. everything you ever it wanted. So much better. You feel so much better. You're, yeah. you, it's going to satisfy your hunger. Yeah. And then as soon as you eat it, dopamine's like, "Screw you, bro! I'm out ah, on the next thing." Deuces. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Dopamine's a tricky little bastard. Yeah. Yeah. So wanting versus liking. This is an interesting segment. The transition from excitement to enjoyment can be challenging. Think of a buyer's remorse the sense of regret that occurs after making a big purchase. In fact, in its example of a desire circuit breaking its promise, it told you that if you bought that expensive car, you'd be overcome with joy and your life would never be the same. Except once you become its owner, those feelings were neither as intense nor as long lasting as you had hoped. The desire circuit often breaks its promises, which is bound to happen because it plays no role in generating feelings of satisfaction. It is in no position to make dreams come true. The desire circuit is, so to speak, just a salesman. In no case, though, is there any guarantee that the things we so desperately want will be the things that we will enjoy having. Wanting and liking are produced by two different systems in the brain. So we often don't like the things that we want. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. And I'll tell you, every segment, I'm like, holy smokes, that was crazy. I mean, that's me every time I go to, like, Cabela's. (laughs) It's like, oh, I for sure, I for sure want this. Like, we, I need it. I, I absolutely have to, yeah, have to have this gun cleaning kit. <laughs> I've already got two of them there at the house. Oh, but this one. But it's like every time. And the other thing is, how do you? And and maybe maybe I'll let you read a little bit more. But like, how do you dictate and make the decisions on say purchases like a vehicle or something like that? Because I'm the same. I. I am more in the here and now when it comes to like big purchases than I am small. I'll do a bunch of small little purchases mm-hmm. giving into this, but like the big ones, like I could drive my truck. I've got, you know, my truck's five or six years old and I could drive this thing until it dies. Cause yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I recognize that there's, there would be a big cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, and really, I mean, yes or no, 
but like that's a big cost. It was like I don't, I just don't need yeah. it. Yeah, thankfully for you, the here and now system yeah. dominates when it comes to car purchases yeah. as opposed to your dopamine. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like I drive a, an older, you know, 2014 car uh-huh. and I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to ride this thing till the wheels fall off. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, my personality, my, my dopamine isn't strong in that scenario. Yeah. But there's other things where it is. Yeah. And that's why these little petty purchases and these these you know material things don't last because it's your dopamine lying to you saying you're going to really enjoy this purchase and it's going to be it's going to totally change your life and then you realize it really doesn't yeah and so that's why you know and the bible talks about this material possessions they're not satisfying ultimately yeah because you're just on to the next purchase yep. and so it is it's finding that balance of your here and now versus your dopamine What's a more, thankfully for you and I, because that could be a very expensive yeah. <laughs> habit yeah. of if I was constantly seeking the next thing, I'm having to buy a $75,000 car to make me think that I'm happy. Yeah. And then I buy that car and I'm like, well, after a week, I'm like, yeah, this was fun, but yeah. what's next? It still gets me to and fro, to and fro. just like the last right. car. And, and that's a maturity and it talks, yeah. the book talks about that. That's, that's something that also comes with time. If I was 21 and I was making the same amount of money, I would probably pursue those things. Now, again, personalities are different. Everybody's a little bit. Some of us are more drawn to that. Um, But that's the that's the point is that that dopamine hit is going to lie to you. It's going to tell you you're going to be satisfied, but you're not going to be. So listen to the here and nows Mm -hmm. is really truly where you can find that, as it says, happiness. That's right. And then we'll uh, wrap up today's section or this section: dopamine versus dopamine. You versus you, well, a little uh, friendly fire, if you will. And it says, it's natural confuse wanting and liking. It seems obvious that we would want the things that we will like having. That's how it would work if we were rational creatures. And despite all evidence to the contrary, we persist in thinking that we are rational creatures, but we're not. Frequently, we want things that we don't like. Our desire can lead us towards things that may destroy our lives, such as drugs, gambling, and out-of-control behaviors. The dopamine desire circuit is powerful. It focuses attention, motivates, and thrills. It has a profound influence over the choices we make, yet it isn't all-powerful. Addicts get clean. Dieters lose weight. Sometimes we switch off the TV, get off the couch, and go for a run. What kind of circuit in the brain is powerful enough to oppose dopamine? Dopamine is. (laughs) Dopamine opposing dopamine. The circuit that opposes the desire circuit may be called, might be called the dopamine control circuit. So instead of dopamine desire circuit, now Mm. we're talking about the dopamine control circuit. You may recall that in many situations, future-focused dopamine opposes the activity of the H&N circuits and vice versa. If you're thinking about where to go for dinner, you're probably not appreciating the taste, smell, and texture of the sandwich you're eating for lunch. But there's also opposition within the future-oriented dopamine system itself. Why would the brain develop circuits that work against each other? Wouldn't it make more sense to have everyone pulling together, so to speak? In fact, no. Not surprisingly, the dopamine control circuit involves the, pre- the frontal lobes, the part of the brain that is sometimes called the neocortex because it evolved most recently. It's what makes human beings unique. It gives us the imagination to project ourselves further into the future than the desire circuit can take us so we can make long-term plans. It's also the part that allows us to maximize resources in that future 
by creating new tools and using abstract concepts. Concepts that rise above the here and now experiences of the senses, like language, mathematics, and science. It's intensely rational. It doesn't feel because emotion is an H&N phenomenon. There you go. So dopamine versus dopamine. <laughs> so it's ironic that the actual mm. thing that the counters the pursuit yeah. is actually the control yeah. dopamine. Mm. So anyway, I thought that was a fascinating um, I thought it was a, f- a fascinating book. So discipline, um, yeah. So discipline is that control dopamine. Right. Yeah. Like the desire to have control manifests as discipline. Right. So what gets you more excited? Mm-hmm. You know, progress. When you, and, and I think that's something that you have to learn, too. You've got you've to coach yourself because, you know, early in my career it was, okay, the harder you work, right? I'm going to sacrifice a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to succumb to any of that. Like Tiff always says, like, for years after we met, until I fell off the wagon, it was like, we're at a restaurant and I'm getting chicken and broccoli. And I'm like, really, because to me, being in control of the scenario and situation, that gave me a better high than it did. That dopamine of how you're going to feel in the future by making these good, de- these good right. decisions was stronger than that dopamine in the moment of, I want French fries. And yeah, I'm going to get French fries and steak. dessert. Yeah. Right. Well, big fat steak's fine. Well, yeah. Don't talk bad about big fat steaks. <laughs> But yeah, I just it, and that's and that's what we've got to do. Again, it's mindfulness, and we've mm-hmm. talked we talk about we've talked about it a lot. It's this effort. Year. It's mindfulness. Effort, it's, mindfulness, yep. and just recognizing. Okay, hey, what is this? This this want that I feel. First of all, don't beat yourself up and feel guilty for wanting it. Mm-hmm. Two is all right. Is this the control side or the desire side or the want side? What is it? Because like you need to recognize that. Same thing, relationships. Is this really what I want? Do I want it now or do I want it long term? Right. right. Think about don't trade what you want most at the moment for what you want most. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Don't trade what you want most for what you want most at the moment. Yeah. So it's like. It, well, this is why cheating is such a big deal. Right? Yes. That, that dopamine fires. Give that, into that excitement. That first one. Yes. You give into that new relationship yes. or new, new encounter and you forget about what you're saying. You forget yeah. about what you really want most. Is that long-lasting yeah. desire? I want my spouse and I to be at our child's wedding together. Mm-hmm. Like, is that? Do you want that, mm-hmm. or do you want to potentially have a broken family? Right. I mean, and again, recognizing that, being mindful of it, it takes practice. It takes training. Start small. Start right. with diet. Start with exercise. Start with some things. Again, you talk about it. Like, fitness is a is a is a microchasm of life, it's right? It's a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's not where I was going, but yeah, no, sure. No, no, sorry. Um, but again, it's it's what you want most. Like for example, I really really wanted wanted a dog. Like I really really and I and I still kind of do. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get a gateway. So you dog. had four kids instead. So yeah, well, this was after <laughs> after right. What kind of idiot? Um, but I got a little gateway dog. It's kind of a little rat. It's, it's four and a half pounds. <laughs> gateway dog. I got a gateway dog. It's like, all right, I'm going to do this. This thing stays inside. It's like a stuffed animal. And then now 
when after this, now I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to a, a, a big dog that I can take hunting with me and ride in the back of my truck and the whole deal, right? And then I realized I'm not sure that I really want a big dog. <laughs> this little rat, this is little enough. rat drives me crazy. <laughs> so it's it is it's one of those things, but you've just got to recognize it and you've got to see, okay, hey, like for me, I really, really, really have a want mm-hmm. to to go ranch. Yep, okay, that's what I really want to do, and call me. For reference, I wanted to do this before Yellowstone came out, so let's just be very clear. But it intensified a whole lot when Yellowstone yeah, came out. For sure. But it's like, do I really want it? Like, do I really want when I get there that whole the whole thing that we talked about? When I, am I gonna love five a.m. every day out working? Am I gonna love doing those things? Am I gonna love working seven days a week because there's so much required on the ranch? Mm-hmm. Like, is that really what I want, or? Do I just like the idea of it? Well, it's like it's the episode. New. Yeah, it's like what we talked about yesterday. Shifting your goals from purely aesthetic focused yeah. to performance focused. Yeah. That aesthetic goal, again, nothing wrong with it. Uh-huh. But just understand when, even if you, let's say everything goes perfectly, you do atta- attain that goal in six months. Yeah. And you lost that 15 pounds year after. That's awesome. You're going to love that. Yeah. And, and yes, it will have ramifications to your everyday life. Yeah. But that feeling that you're chasing that you think is going to solve everything after that 15 pounds are gone, it's very fleeting. Yep. It's going to be gone just like that. Yep. And so the more optimal focus, the here and now focus would be, I want to perform better because that's something that's going to translate to my everyday life. Sustainability. Yep. So that desire dopamine of constantly chasing that weight loss can be replaced by the control dopamine, which says, I want to perform better. I don't want to have be in pain. I want to be able to pick up my kids. Mm -hmm. That is going to sustain you longer and that quick hit of how good it's going to feel. Now, right. what I bet's going to happen is if you're shooting for, for, for performance and you're shooting for a pain-free life, you're going to lose that weight. Yeah. Because part of losing that weight or part of getting to the place of being pain-free mm-hmm. and, and moving well mm-hmm. is you've got to get some weight, weight yeah. off your body. Yeah, That's going to be part S- of the, the equation. Same kind of deal. If you, want, if you want better sex in your marriage... Have a better marriage. Oh, like Focus on your young. marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I tell me on, more. I can get on, tell me more. I can get on board with this. <laughs> then, then go for a better relationship yeah. with your spouse. But I guarantee you better sex is going to be a part of it. That's right. That's right. So I think my big takeaway is, is I've, I've lived a lot of my life in the dopaminergic state of pursuits. And there's nothing, and I'm happy that I am that way. There's certain parts of that that I really appreciate. And then I'm glad that I'm constantly driving, I'm driven, and, I'm, and I get obsessed. But too many times in my life, I haven't focused on the here and now. Yeah. And it's a constant thing of how can I get to the next? How can I get to the next level? Mm-hmm. And so what I loved about this book and I love about this series is, is, is that's what we're learning here is how yeah. do you balance the two? Yeah. When we talk about balance and, and how it might be a pipe dream, but there's, there's a way to manage the two. Yeah. And so that was my biggest takeaway from this section. So Good. hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, this book is fascinating. Again, it's called... The Molecule of More, How a Single Chemical in Your Brain Drives Love, Sex, and Creativity, and Will Determine the Fate of the Human Race. So if you want to get a copy, just go to Google and type in The Molecule of More, or Amazon. It'll pop right up. It's written by Amazon, Daniel. Is that, that's a bookstore, isn't it? Uh, yes. Amazon, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long uh, are the authors here. So very, very fascinating book. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If you did, whatever platform you listen on, if it's the Apple platform specifically, leave us a five-star review and a, and a, and a comment that would be really, really help us reach more people really, really help us out. 
Uh, also follow us at one.shot.pod on Instagram, uh, our YouTube channel, One Shot Podcast. Um, any other closing thoughts from you, Ty? Um, I'm, I'm going to let them let them marinate. say it because they, they say it best. I know when I can add value. I can't add value right now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hope you guys have a great rest of the day, a great rest of the week. Suffer Saturday suffering. Come on. The next time you see us, we're going to be better men. Yeah. More hardened mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. We're going for control. <laughs> we're going for control. We're going for That's control. Right. That's right. And if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to yesterday's episode uh, and, and join us in the future uh, for a future Saturday suffering. Yep. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Have a good rest of the week.